Bite-Sized Birthday Biography Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Mira. This is a daily podcast which shines a spotlight on a person, born on this day at some point in history somewhere in the world, who made a positive lasting impact. Today, October 17th, we're going to celebrate the birth and life of Shinichi Suzuki. He was born on this day in 1898. So in order to understand why Shinichi's contribution to musical education and educational theory was so revolutionary, we need to look for a second at the previously held notions surrounding these concepts. So pre-Shinichi in Japan, it was very rare for children to be taught classical instruments such as piano or violin. Most music teachers who worked with kids would only take in ones that could audition for them, which meant that they only took kids who already knew how to play instruments and how to play them well. So what this did was make musical education a very small field for a finite amount of kids who somehow had either natural talent or a parent who had trained them from a young age at home. Shinichi's novel theory was that musical education should be open to all children, not just prodigies. He felt that any child can learn anything if given the right environment and the right instructors, and that talent is not necessarily inborn and can be cultivated through proper instruction and support. This seems so evident today, but at the time, it was a totally new way to think about musical education, and it opened the world of music to children of all ages and levels of experience. So Shinichi was one of 12 children born to violin maker Masakichi Suzuki in Nagoya, Japan. Masakichi was a self-taught violin maker whose fascination with the instrument prompted him to construct his first one in 1888, a decade before Shinichi was born. By the time Shinichi was born, Masakichi had not only built the first violin factory in Japan, but it was also the largest one in the world. Today, the factory is known as Suzuki Violin Co. Limited. Masakichi wanted Shinichi to help him in the family business, and he put him to work as a child putting sound posts into violins. Sound posts are the little dowel under the treble end of the bridge. Shinichi was less interested as a child in running a massive company and more fascinated by the instrument that he held every day in his hands. In 1916, he heard a recording of violinist Misha Elman playing Ave Maria, and Shinichi was spellbound, and he decided to teach himself how to play the violin. His father wasn't keen on him becoming a musician. He thought it was beneath a son of his. And as we talked about a bit ago, someone with no musical ability couldn't just start music lessons. So Shinichi spent all of his free time listening to recordings of violin pieces and learning how to imitate them. Once he was able to play well, he was taken under the wing of a wealthy Japanese nobleman from the Tokugawa family who took on the role of patron. He brought him to Tokyo and enrolled him in lessons with renowned violin teacher Ko Ando. In his early 20s, Shinichi moved to Berlin to study with another acclaimed violinist named Karl Klinger, and while he was in Germany, he fell in love with a beautiful German soprano named Waltrud Prong, and they were married in 1928. During Shinichi's time there, he became friends with Albert Einstein, and according to Shinichi, Einstein became a guardian-like figure to him. In 1929, Shinichi and Waltrud moved back to Japan, and Shinichi formed a quartet with his brothers. They traveled around the country performing, and two years later, in 1931, he was made the conductor of the Tokyo String Orchestra, as well as the president of the Tekiku Music School. He began teaching young children to play violin as well, including future classical violinist Koji Toyoda, who was only three at the time. Remember Koji's name, we're going to talk about him in a little bit. So one afternoon in 1933, Shinichi was at rehearsal with his brothers when he had a realization that he just spoke aloud. He said, all Japanese children speak Japanese. And his brothers were like, "Uh, yes, very good, Shinichi. 
But Shinichi continued this line of thought by elaborating that since no Japanese child is born speaking Japanese but has to be taught, the same must be true for teaching music. If a child can learn a language, they can learn an instrument, and this began a lifelong passion for musical education that would build his legacy. But let's take a step back for a sec to think where we are. We are in Tokyo during 1933. Shinichi is a Japanese man married to a German woman. Yeah, it's going to get rough for a bit. So due to the war effort in Japan, the Suzuki family violin factory was compulsorily acquired by the Japanese government and was converted into a seaplane float factory. Because it was now part of the Japanese war effort, it was bombed by an American plane and one of Shinichi's brothers inside was killed. As things escalated during the 1940s, Shinichi and Waltrud realized they needed to escape Japan, but they had to do it separately due to their different ethnicities. So Shinichi stopped teaching music lessons, including those with little Koji, and the rest of the Suzuki family moved to a rural mountain region in hopes of avoiding Allied bombing, and secondarily in search of wood because the seaplane float factory was now running short. The family ended up having to buy wood from a Gita factory in the mountain region they were staying in. Gitas are those little um, traditional Japanese wooden flip-flops. So since Waltrud was not only a German, but also an ex-German citizen, she was forced to move to a village where all Germans and former German citizens in Japan were sequestered. At the end of the war in 1945, Shinichi was asked to come teach music at a new music school that was being developed. He agreed on the condition that he would not be forced to only take kids with natural music ability, but be allowed to work on developing his own musical practices and own musical theory and work with babies and young children with no musical background. Shortly after he began to work at the music school, Shinichi began to get an anxious feeling about his former student Koji, who'd been left behind in Tokyo with his parents when Shinichi fled. Shinichi put an advertisement out on the radio asking for information on Koji's whereabouts, and the boy was located living and working in his uncle's sake shop after both of his parents had been killed by Allied bombing. Shinichi and Waltrid took the now 12-year-old boy under their collective wing, some sources say they officially adopted him, and they ensured that he had the best classical music education. Shinichi and Walter had ended up managing to find each other after the war, and they moved with Koji to Matsumoto, where Shinichi continued to work with young music students. Not surprisingly, at the concerts given by his young students, the audience were totally blown away by how well these preschool-aged children played music. At first, audiences believed that he had actually somehow acquired an entire school full of child prodigies, but as Shinichi began to explain his theories and his practices, people began to realize that it is possible to teach a child anything, even at a young age, provided the atmosphere and the teaching conditions are appropriate ones. Teachers, musical and otherwise, came from all over the world to learn about the Suzuki method, as he was now calling it. So Shinichi developed and finally honed his musical theory during this time. It is not a specific teaching method. It is in the sense that you buy his books and learn step-by-step how to follow his methods. It's a larger overarching philosophy about combining music education with a holistic whole child approach to development and enrichment. At the heart of this ideology was the concept of character first, ability second. In his music school, he used the following tenets of talent education as guiding principles. One, humans are a product of their environments, and two, when it comes to all learning, earlier is better. The Suzuki movement is still practiced worldwide, driven by the International Suzuki Association. Today, there are over 8,000 trained Suzuki teachers and almost 250,000 Suzuki pupils around the world. 
Shinichi died in his sleep at his home in Matsumoto at the age of 99 on January 26, 1998. In his life, he was awarded the Order of the Rising Sun in 1970 by the Japanese government. He was given five honorary doctorates in music, and he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize in 1993. My sources today were Wikipedia, the International Suzuki Association, and the Suzuki Association of the Americas. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to a totally homemade podcast. And if you're feeling social, you can follow Humans in History on Instagram at humans underscore in underscore history. This is also where you can message me and suggest people that you would like to see on this show. Thank you so much for joining me for our birthday celebration of Shinichi Suzuki. Please join me tomorrow when we celebrate the birth and life of Dr. Harvey Washington Wiley, the man responsible for ensuring that every time you buy an item of food, it doesn't kill you. See you then.